Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. I'm your host, Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29. And here we talk about anything and everything related to transforming the church. Nick, Mary, still January. We're still standing and a few things going on right now. How you doing? <laughs> Just a few things going on. <laughs> Had to stop these guys from a laughing fit before we came on. Oh, my god. That's all right? Catch your breath? I needed to pinch myself so I could stop. <laughs> well, good. We're going to need joy for That's this right. topic, aren't we? Yeah, That's we, we right. have so much fun here at X29. Thank you, Jesus. We but do. today's topic is... Is, is, is serious because we're, we're, we're observing something happen in our Christian brothers and sisters in the church. So today's topic is a crisis of hope and the need to be exporters of hope. Ooh, I love it. I can't wait to get into this. So, Padre, come on. Let's pray. Every time we pray in, pray in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Lord, we just ask for a, a brand new outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us and upon everybody who's listening right now. We ask for the grace to see you in your magnificence, your beauty, your power, your love, your mercy. Take our eyes off of ourselves and off of the circumstances that we're dealing with and the things that are going on around us mm. and put them onto you who are reliable and trustworthy and faithful and steadfast. Lord, we pray for those of us who are struggling right now with discouragement, with fear, with anxiety, and with despair, that in a way that only you can, you would replace that uh, in this short span of time with uh, the great virtue of hope. We ask it all in Jesus' name. So guys, if, if, uh, if you're physicians, and I'm asking you the question, hey, what's the pulse of the patient? And the patient is, say, the the Catholics that we know or that we've come across or that we read or we listen to in the country right now, with all that's happening culturally, politically, ecclesially, in the pandemic, what would like one, two, three words be to describe the patient? Okay. Um, gosh, I would say, first of all, disbelief mm. at what we're seeing across all spectrums. Um, profound sadness and disappointment. And yeah. I'd say to a certain degree, like discouragement. Yeah. yeah. With okay. everything. No, it's great. Uh, Thanks. I, I would say tremendous shock. Mm. I mean, I keep hearing that from people I'm talking to. I'm so shocked we're here right now. And then I think also people are, some people are close to despair. Others uh, starting to almost like search for answers. Like, okay, like all the, all the sort of like pictures I could paint to kind of like, it's going to get better. Suddenly those are, those are so shattered at this point. They're starting to go, oh my goodness, now... Now Where do we what? go from here? Now what, right? So a real sense of loss and shock. Yeah, so the patient seems to be somewhat in trauma right now, right? Someone's like, well, 30. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Either that or it's just spiking Needs like crazy. Needs oxygen. Right, or spiking. Right. So, so forget the patient. What about you? One, two words. Where are you guys at right now? Gosh. To be honest, yeah. um, I'm sobered. Uh, I, I, too, am sad. But I'm not afraid. We, we talk oftentimes about that peace that surpasses all understanding, no matter what's happening around you. Like, I can, like we can see the chaos, I can see the chaos, but there's this stillness inside of, of me. So, so I'm, not, I'm not afraid, and I'm, yeah, I'm okay. interiorly peaceful. Great. Praise God. Nick, how about you? Where are you at? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Mary, on some mm -hmm. things, and I, Emily and I just keep talking and praying through this at home and, you know, kind of observing things. What does this mean for us? What does it mean for 
these kinds of decisions we're making. But we have so much peace. I'm shocked how much peace I have, actually. Um, I mean, in the best way of, of just like, the Lord's got this. He's got me. He's got my family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I haven't, I'm not, a, I'm not optimistic about the circumstances we've been in and we're in now. But Jesus, I just have, I, I, thank you, Lord. I have my eyes fixed on him uniquely right now. And I just want to say, like, but there is a sense of like, well, that happened quick. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going through rapid transitions, that's for sure. Right. You know, so for me, real quick, you know, like, I, I, I am, you know, we joke around here a lot. I'm kind of Eeyore, if you know Winnie the Pooh, and, you know, like, probably going to drown. You know, um, <laughs> I have that kind of disposition. Uh, <laughs> Thanks natu- for noticing Naturally, me. but I'm so jazzed with everything that's going on. You know, it's like, there's a line uh, that supposedly Winston Churchill said, Sometime in the 1950s or the 60s, I think, shortly before he died, maybe, and someone asked him, you know, if you could live one year over and over again, what year would it be? And he said it would be 1941 every year. And they were like, what? And, and his answer wasn't because it was a great year. I mean, it was, it was a horrific year for the people of London and for the people yeah. of Europe, right? But it brought to the surface what the human person's capable of in extraordinary circumstances and trying uh, times. Hmm. And it's kind of how I feel. I mean, I just like, hey, the Lord's destined us to be alive right now. And so let's go. Let's, let's press into this and, 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 uh, and off we go. And that really sets the stage for what we want to talk about. So seeing a lot of cynicism, a lot of discouragement, no small amount of despair right. amongst Christians, right? Like, I feel hopeless. And it's because of what's going on around us. So we want to bust open a couple of things right now. We want to talk, let's make a couple of distinctions. We want to contrast uh, how the world defines hope, what people tend to put their hope in, and what's happening to those things right now. And then we want to set up what's real hope, who's deserving of real hope, and then why is it that no circumstances can shake that? So we were just getting ready for the podcast. I think you looked at what, what, what dictionary were you looking at online? Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> the, Oxford, the Oxford definition of hope. So this isn't like, you know, the Urban Dictionary. No offense to the people who came up with the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> but the Oxford Dictionary is a pretty significant dictionary in the history of the world, at least the English-speaking world. So tell us what the Oxford Dictionary says about hope. Yeah, it's got a few definitions here. So um, a feeling of trust, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen, or... My favorite one of them, from a world perspective, is want something to happen or be the case. Yeah, so the immediate thing that jumps out at me right away, those are all subjective. Right. They all have to do with how I feel. And that's how, so we tend to think of hope that way, right? The world tends to define hope as an opinion or a feeling or a belief that has nothing to do with reality. Almost purely emotional. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it's like a wishful. Right, it's a, a wish. wishful thinking. Yeah. So, what do people tend to put their hope in? Gosh, like we put our hopes in all kinds of things: money, your retirement plans, your four hundred one k plan, um, your health, the doctor's report that's coming back next week, um, politics. Right, that's front and center right now. We've, we're watching people being so profoundly disappointed because their political party is doing something that they wish that wouldn't have done. I mean, so, so we're seeing that play out. What about, what other ideas? Yeah, we love talking about sports. Yeah, how's that been working out for you, man? What do you put your hope in sports-wise? <laughs> uh, You're a Husker Nebraska fan. football. Yeah. It's like embarrassing to say. Bro. <laughs> Go national champions. We're stuck in the 90s in Nebraska. with, and, with and perpetual, the University of Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, 
I mean, this is if we can just spend a couple of minutes on sports. I mean, so growing up in Nebraska for a number of years and having so much family out there, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Nebraskan. Like I, you know, they say we bleed red, right? And it's for knowledge, right? And it's for knowledge. So, so here's the thing. Like culturally speaking, in Nebraska, there's this incredible optimism that after every single season, next year we got them, yeah. and every game's kind of that same way. But the thing is, people. Catholics decreased their mass attendance in accordance with how the Huskers played on Saturday. Yeah, I was told you can never do a wedding in Nebraska on a game day. And that's that's a that's a true statement. Yeah, yeah I had a priest from Lincoln tell me, like, uh, he came to celebrate a wedding with me here in Ann Arbor. He's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it's a game day. I'm like, yeah, it's a game. He goes, we never do weddings on game days. It's a religion, right? Yeah. And just, I mean, just think of how many men and women spend insane amount of time listening to sports radio every day. The fact that there are multiple sports talk radio shows <laughs> in a city, let alone the country, is amazing, right? Because we just talk all the time, many of us, and I love sports, about right. what's happening with basketball, what's happening with baseball, what's happening with football, what's happening with hockey, what's happening with anything. And if you live in Detroit, there hasn't been anything happening for, for a, a long, long time, time right. unfortunately, right? Which okay, is so- cause for a lot of despair. But I just want to make an observation because y'all are the sports fans here, and I am married to a sports fan. And what happens when we put our hope in these things, our moods are just like this. Right. right. Like we behave a particular way if my team wins or if I had a 10% gain on an investment or yeah. if, or or if my um or or whatever it might be but but our minds and our hearts become like shifting right. sand and and we just lose a sense of steadiness We're and balance. We'll bust that open a little bit more in a second. So that's exactly right. You're teeing us up. A couple other things that people put hope in, right? Like we were talking earlier some sense of what? Success. Uh, success, huh? Success. Or that things are just going to get better. Or, or I, I also think too, and I, and and I'm an American, and I'm a, a patriot like everybody else. But sometimes we press into this uh, this American I can do spirit, mm. like we're Americans and we're going to get through this. Or, or this is the Catholic Church. Nothing's going to happen to the Catholic Church. And I think that's just a little naive. Right. So we've heard people say after disasters that happen in our country or whatnot, well, we're Americans and and we can overcome this. Because that's what we do. That's just insane. It is. Like bubonic plague hit. We're Americans. We're going to overcome this. Um, maybe not. Yeah, what do they even mean? Right. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. So, so Mary, you were just saying a minute ago, you know, like just talking about how we get impacted when those things that we put our hope in don't come true because they were, in fact, wishful thinking or feelings that we had. So what's happening to some of these things with people around us, right? What's happening? What's the last year, particularly the pandemic, now the cultural upheaval, the political upheaval that we're living through, the ongoing mess that is the church? What's this done to people's hopes as the world understands hope? For so many, it's crushed them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, as you watch institutions start to collapse and you see a lot of what's happening play out, we're collapsing too. Yeah. Right? Like emotionally, spiritually, we're feeling that as well. Which is the reason we're doing this podcast, because we're seeing so many people like, hey, can we talk to you? Because we don't know what to do right now. Everything is just so bad. And we're like, well, what did you expect? (laughs) 
You know, on one hand, like, really, what did you expect? It's a broken world. It's a fallen world. That's why God became a man to redeem it. And until he comes back, it's going to continue to get broken. It's going to continue to break. You know, we've sent so many people to, from Christendom to apostolic mission. There's, a, there's an incredible quote in here that I think is really timely for many of us right now, especially as we see what's happening in the country as a whole. So uh, the author writes this. He says, during the last half century or so, this is kind of a long quote, hang in here. During the last half century or so, there has been an unconscious embrace by many Catholics of an American narrative vision by which the United States is seen effectively as the church. A strong strain of the American mythical narrative views America as the hope of the world, hmm. the true, quote-unquote, salt of the earth. Few Catholics, he goes on to say, would express it this way, but the underlying assumption is present and potent. I think we can see this happening mm -hmm. right now in people's mm -hmm. discourse as they watch what's going on politically, right? He goes on. One can see its influence in the investment of a kind of religious fervor in American patriotism, in the practical attitude that the most important issues we face are sorted out in the realm of politics and in the loss of fundamental hope when it seems that America is, quote unquote, losing its way. For those who have assumed this vision, a kind of transposition occurs the legitimate concern that the worldwide church, called to be a light to the world and inhabited by the Holy Spirit, remain faithful to Christ and be held to a high standard of purity and remission for the sake of humanity's salvation, is repackaged as the concern that America be faithful to its founding ideals lest the world go astray. Whether that American salvific mission is seen as the dissemination of capitalist democracy or the remaking of the world through the UN's millennial goals, the error is the same. Whatever have been the genuine virtues and accomplishments of America, which are surely not insignificant, and however good it would be that America remain faithful to the best of its traditions, such a view of things has little to do with the Christian faith and is miserably inadequate to the genuine need of humanity. And then here's the money line. We should be clear about this. Even as we love our country and hope that it prospers and exercises good influence beyond its borders, we know that America is in no sense the hope of the world. That honor belongs to Christ alone mm. as he works through his body, the church. That, that is a really critical quote, I would suggest, for this time we're living in right now. So with, with that in mind, let's just transition. So so what's real hope? Huh? We've talked about how the, the world at large thinks about hope, and it's it's really just wishful thinking. It's, it's a subjective feeling, which is usually not anchored in reality. Real hope, the theological virtue of hope, has nothing to do with feeling, and it has nothing to do with subjectivity. It has to do with objectivity. It is absolutely certain. It's not wishful. It's not like, oh, I hope it doesn't rain. No, no, no. Hope, St. Paul says, or the author to the Hebrew says, is an anchor. Peter Kraft, in uh, one of his books, uh, Fundamentals of the Faith, he says, hope is like headlights. It's a great image. 
You know, it's hard to drive in the dark when you can't see what's ahead. The theological virtue of hope shows us what's ahead. And hope is rooted in God, what he's done in the person of his son Jesus, and what he has promised. I think it's St. Augustine who says, God has put himself in our debt by making so many promises to us. And God does not lie, right? He's faithful. And so our hope is certain. It's an anchor. It has nothing to do with right now. It has to do with what's up ahead. And because I can see what's up ahead, in that regard, it does have something to do with right now. It keeps me calm. All right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, it's the... Everything else in life is like a moving goalpost. Yeah, that's you right. Know, how much money I have or don't have, what my job is or isn't, my health or my lack thereof. Mm-hmm. But the goalpost that doesn't move is God himself and his promises for us. That's the steadfastness. Right, I, I mean, to, to, use, yeah, to use that image, like, mm-hmm. if I might not know what the journey to get to that, th- that, that using the headlights image, like, I might not know what, what's, what's between here and there, but if I know that's there, that right. I, I, I have assurance, that's I have right. certainty, it's going to be okay. And, and, and namely, and for culturally speaking, even among our Christian brothers and sisters, we act like the worst thing that can happen is death. Right. Uh, right. So I have that. That's such a great image, Father John. And, and so I, I think if, if, if we know, I mean, we're, we're rooted in hope, I think that hope fuels our faith. Don't right. you? Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I think hope fuels our faith and it fuels the charity that drives us to go out and to use what we talked about earlier, you know, in the podcast, we want, we want, we ourselves want to be, and we want you all to be exporters of hope. And I think as long as we know hope is out there, faith and love accompany hope. I think hope's what makes those two theological virtues yep. even I, more possible. I think that's spot on. Hope tells me it's going to happen. I yes. know it's go- like my eyes are going to see the king. Hope tells me. It's really true that all the kings of the earth are going to bend their knee at the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. My eyes are going to see it, even if they don't know it right now, right? Mm -hmm. My eyes are going to see the Lord call me out of death. Everything he's promised is going to happen, you know? So, which tells me right away, huh? There is only one person in whom we're supposed to put our our hope and our trust. That's God. The psalm tells us, you know, put not your hope or your trust in princes, in mortal men who come to nothing. Whether they're representing a political party, whether they run a country, whether they coach a team, whether they manage my IRA, whatever they do, don't put your trust in them. Put your trust in God and God alone, because God and God alone is faithful. Everybody else is dust and ashes, right? So it doesn't mean don't be prudent, all those kinds of things. It just means don't put your hope there. So nothing can touch my hope. St. Paul says in Romans, right, hope does not put us to shame or it does not not disappoint us. In other words, no one's going to die, stand before God and go, gosh, what a dummy I was to have banked on him. Mm. No one's going to do that. Everybody's going to go, oh, my gosh. Like, look at this. 
You know, which is not to say that the Christian life is, it's going to just be miserable here for your whole life, but suck it up because there's a Cupid doll at the end. I mean, yes, the cross is here, but the Lord says, even now he's promised us abundant life. So we don't, we don't have it fully yet, clearly, but we're already tasting it. So the Christian life is not just endure and grin and bear it and then like hang in there until we get to heaven. But we do know it's going to be hard here, and I shouldn't expect it otherwise. So hope's not going to dis- disappoint us. Um, Psalm 33, you know, the, the king is not saved by his army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. Um, the war horse is a false hope for salvation. Its great might cannot rescue. Only God. I love Psalm 125 too. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. Mm but abides forever. That's powerful. My hope is so rooted in him. He is immovable. I am immovable. Rock yeah. solid. I, I, there's a line. It's always, it's always uh, just jarred me, especially living in America where we just kind of have the idol of wealth and we put so much hope in wealth. You know, Paul says to Timothy, as for the rich, tell them not to be haughty, nor to put their hopes on something in, in something as uncertain as wealth. Wait a minute. Hmm. <laughs> what do you mean uncertain right. as wealth? What else do we put our certainty in as most Americans? Like wealth is it. And, and Scripture is telling us, no, 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 it can all go tomorrow. Right? It's happened in the history of the world. It could happen here. Don't put your hope on things as uncertain as wealth. Huh? So the, the scriptures are trying to continually remind us the object of our hope, who is a subject, it's God, is God, right? Put your eyes on him. Take your eyes off yourself. Take your eyes off what's going on. Put your eyes on him. That's why it's so crucial, I think, for us to realize no matter what's going on in the world in which we're living, no matter how bad the circumstances get, no matter if my whole IRA goes tomorrow, no matter if the diagnosis comes back tomorrow as malignant, no matter if we lose again, <laughs> you know, no matter if the doctor tells me I'm terminal because I've been terminal since I was conceived, no matter if the country falls apart, circumstances can't shake my hope. Yeah, the promises of God are not dependent upon us. Exactly, right? right? Morning by morning, Lamentation says, mm. new mercies I see. Right? I will put my hope in God, yeah. who does not lie, who is faithful, who is immovable, and who has promised so much, and he's given us a down payment. And the down payment is the spirit that lives within us. Right. So if, if you're selling a car, maybe Mary and Steve are selling a car. Steve's about to retire soon, so maybe you're going to sell your car. And, and I come by and I say, hey, how much do you want for that? And you go, I don't know, you want uh, $25,000, and I give you ten as a down payment, what does that tell you? You're good for the fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to come back. That's what yeah. I just gave you ten grand. i am coming back, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I remember Father Francis Martin, who was one of my teachers, he says, that's what God's done with the Holy Spirit. Mm. He's put the Spirit inside us to do what? To tell you, I'm coming back. That's my down payment on your life, right? So that's the certainty and the surety and the assurance that I have, which is not rooted in how I feel. It's rooted in who he is, what he does, and what he said. I will make all things new. 
Keep your eyes on me. And he paid the price with his blood. I'm just thinking about not only is his blood sufficient for us, but it's sufficient for all circumstances. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So Nick, you're always driving us to like, okay, this is great. You know, like, what are we going to encourage people to do? So what are some to-dos? I mean, like, what do I do with all this if if I'm a listener right now? Or what do I do with all this? Yeah, I mean, and speaking to myself here, like, this is a great time to just do kind of a self-assessment, hmm. you know, and I, think, and I think to look first at your emotions and what your internal responses are right now is a great way just to start with that. Like, where am I putting my hope is going to be, where am I feeling really discouraged or sad potentially, right? These are, good, these are, these are markers. Where am I feeling cynical hmm. or despairing? These are, these, are, these are signals that maybe I'm putting my hope in fill-in-the-blank thing that's causing me to feel discouraged or despairing or sad or whatever. Because with, with hope, it's not about not feeling pain and emotions, but it's about certainty. So what have I, what have I been thinking was going to be certain? It was inevitable. That's no, that's no longer inevitable that's causing me these, these different emotions. So it's a great time for self-assessment. As I'm, as I'm listening to you talk, Nick, I'm thinking about um, not to let anyone steal your hope. Mm. And the enemy is a robber and a thief. And he wants to take that hope away from us. So, you know, another, you know, question might be, where am I allowing the enemy to come in and steal mm. my hope? Yeah, I know a uh, big shout out to Father Dave Tamaziki, who's a good friend of ours and a, a brother of mine, and who, who, who quite honestly were like stealing a lot of this from, because he just given a great talk on hope. <laughs> and he, he gave a kind of an encouragement to people in the talk that he gave recently. Like, you know, j- the average American spends something like, Two hours watching the news every day or listening to the news, and maybe they hear scripture for 10 minutes a week. You don't have a chance. So one of the practical things to do might be turn off the news or at least moderate the news. You can't turn off the news because you got to be aware of what's going on. But moderate the news, you know? Like, it, it takes five minutes to get the news. Yeah. Right? And then they just spend the next 55 minutes regurgitating the news and then it starts all over again, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if the world's ending, someone's going to call you, yeah. <laughs> right? So, I mean, be really careful with how much time we spend in that and just put yourself in something which is stable. It's not to bury your head in the sand. That's not the point. It's just be careful. What I put into my mind is going to determine whether or not I'm a, an emotional yo-yo or not. And no one who puts their hope in God is an emotional yo-yo. That's not to say that I'm unaffected by what's going on. But it is to say it can't, as you said, Mary, steal my joy or my hope, right? And then you had, maybe as the last thing, Mary, you had a great image. Came out of Mass today, actually, as we were celebrating Mass. Share that, would you? Yeah, Father John uh, just shared a brief reflection with us at at Mass. And um, uh, today's Gospel was on uh, the healing of the leper. And so Father John encouraged us just to imagine ourselves standing before someone who had the remedy for what it, whatever it is was on our hearts? So if I knew I could stand before Jesus and I knew he could help me with one thing, what would that be? And so he said, I just, he invited us as we received him in communion to ask God to heal that one area of my life that most needs 
God's healing. And my thought was, like, that's just a great meditation for every time we receive Eucharist, to go up to receive Jesus with a very particular intention, be confident that he will answer that prayer. Mm -hmm. And so I think we were all very reflective before we received Holy Communion, like, I'm going to receive with a particular intention. And maybe what we do is we receive our next communion. Um, asking Jesus just to show me where I am hopeless. I love that right now. Yeah, yeah. give me hope. in my life and give me the grace of hope and know that He'll deliver. I love that. That's beautiful. And, and Padre, I know you're probably going to wrap us up here, but I just, uh, maybe this is a word from the Lord for for some brothers and sisters who listen. I, I just think, you know, the Christian response, like you're feeling discouraged and frustrated and all those kinds of things, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Um, the Christians run in; we don't run away. And so right now, if you're feeling like, gosh, I just want to bury my head in the sand, take my family and run to the hills and just wait it out until Jesus comes back or whatever that looks like, Jesus has you here. If you're still breathing and hearing this, he has a mission for you. And so run in. Ask him, what does it look like, Lord, to run in when everyone else seems to just be shouting to run away and hide? Yeah, I think it's uh, Fleming Rutledge in one of her books. She makes a big point right after 9-11 happened of just kind of like lifting up the uh, first responders Mm -hmm at the World Trade Center. You know, everybody's evacuating the building as it's about to fall. And here's these incredibly heroic men and women. I'm thinking of a guy like Vito, who we know here in Detroit, mm. who's one of our heroes, you know. These guys run into burning buildings. And she says, that's, that's what Jesus did by coming into, into mm. this world in the incarnation. Uh, and that's what, what you just called us out to do, brother. Thanks for that. Mm. You know, like, we're supposed to run into the burning building because mm-hmm. the world has no hope. Mm. Apart from Jesus. Let's end with this. This is First Peter 3, uh, verse 14 and 15. Peter says this. I love this line. Do not fear what they fear. Who's the they? Those who do not believe in God. Mm. What do they fear? Everything. Right? Do not fear what they fear. Why? Because you've got a good father. You know he acts. You know he's faithful. You know he doesn't lie. You know he's solid. You know he's reliable. You know he loves. You know he's merciful. You know he's kind. You know that because he's sent his son who's become man, who's gone to the cross, who's bound the strong man, who's defeated sin and death. Do not fear what they fear. Then he goes on to say, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we, we want to provoke people in these days. We should be as Christians. If we're not letting the circumstances of what's going on make us become emotional yo-yos, it will be clearly obvious to people around us. We want them to go, how are you so calm? Mm-hmm. And Peter says, here's, here's why God's given you that opportunity. Use it as a chance to tell them, well, let me tell you the reason that I have hope. Not wishful thinking. Certainty, assurance, confidence. Because God is God. And he's faithful. And he's true. And he loves. And he holds the world in his hands. And because he does, do not be afraid. He's with you. And you were born for this. 